Every position Jim Harbaugh takes is filtered through the lens of football, not Catholicism. He's pro-Kaepernick because that's a message that works well with recruits. He's pro-George Floyd because that's a message that works well with recruits. He's pro-life because that's a message that works well with the mothers of recruits. His way of being pro-life also comforts potential recruits. He's telling his players that if they knock up a co-ed, Harbaugh and his wife, Sarah, they'll raise the baby. He's not telling his players to avoid irresponsible sex, to find a woman worthy of marriage and procreate with her. He's providing his players a safety net for irresponsible behavior. If being pro-life would jeopardize Michigan losing a five-star recruit, I suspect Harbaugh would convert his locker room to a Planned Parenthood facility. Welcome, welcome to Fearless with Jason Whitlock. I am Jason Whitlock, your host. Uh, happy Thursday uh, to you and yours. Happy day before Friday. Happy day after hump day. I hope you enjoyed hump day. I did. All right, we have a fantastic show uh, planned for you today. Uh, unfortunately, uh, Troy McSwain is back in studio. He, he's, he's like bad company. He shows up in Nashville and you can't get away from him for three days. Uh, but I am sending him along his way uh, because I got somewhere to go and so Troy's got to go. But Troy McSwain's back with us in studio. Uh, we have a first time, uh, perhaps a new recruit to the Fearless Army in studio with me as well. Jason Martin uh, is here. He's a uh, radio host, a sports radio host here in Nashville, Tennessee. But he's also a pop culture and movie critic uh, for a number of years, and I wanted to talk about the movie Nope uh, today, Jordan Peele's new movie. So Jason Martin's here in studio with us as well. And uh, we're going to be joined uh, by T.J. Moe, the Show Me Kid, here shortly after I set fire uh, uh, to Jim Harbaugh here with his fire, store, fire starter. So we have a fantastic, fantastic way uh, to get you ready for Friday with a fantastic Thursday show. Uh, so let's get it rolling. I've been reluctant to give Jim Harbaugh credit for his public pro-life stance. Last week, the Michigan football coach spoke at a Right to Life event in Plymouth, Michigan. Given the controversy surrounding the Supreme Court's overturn of Roe v. Wade, it was surprising to learn that a high-profile football coach would take a position that opposed the leftist establishment. Harbaugh has previously been in lockstep with the left. Uh, but according to uh, the Roman Catholic News Service, Harbaugh told uh, people gathered at this Right to Life event, quote, I believe in having the courage to let the unborn be born. I love life. I believe in having a loving care and respect for life and death. My faith and my uh, science are what drive these beliefs in me. All right, over the weekend, Harbaugh doubled down, granting ESPN reporter Gene Wojciechowski an interview and elaborating on his pro-life stance, saying, quote, <clears throat> I've told them the same thing 
I tell my kids, boys, the girls, same thing our players, our staff uh, members, I encourage them if they have a pregnancy that wasn't planned to go, they, that wasn't planned to go through with it, go through with it, let that unborn child be born, and if at that time you don't feel like you can care for it, then you don't have, and if you don't have the means or whatever, or wherewithal, then Sarah and I will take that baby. Woo, uh, why am I bothered by Harbaugh's stance? Why am I reluctant to give it a full-throated endorsement? Jim Harbaugh is a practicing Catholic. So are Joe Biden and Nancy Pelosi. Biden and Pelosi are pro-abortion. So what's the difference between how Catholicism informs Harbaugh's view on abortion as opposed to, pres as opposed to the president and the speaker of the house? The difference can be explained by occupation. As Democrats, Biden and Pelosi would pay a steep price for adhering to the position of the Catholic Church. As a football coach, there's no downside for Jim Harbaugh being pro-life. He can set, he can sell his pro-life message in every living room across America. In general, white football parents are not leftists. They're political conservatives and tend to be religious. Black football recruits tend to live in single parent homes headed by single mothers who eschewed the option of aborting their child. So on the recruiting trail, the message that all lives matter, it actually works quite well. Harbaugh can look black mothers in the face and tell them he's pro-life because he's played with and coached hundreds of black boys and men who, who, who some people thought should be aborted. This sounds like I'm being hypercritical of Jim Harbaugh taking a stance that I personally believe in. I'm glad he took the stance. I just don't think he demonstrated any real courage in taking it. What's the downside? ESPN anchor L. Duncan disagrees with him. Michigan school president Mary Sue Coleman disagrees with him. What is she gonna do, fire Harbaugh? He won 12 games in the Big Ten title last year. He beat Ohio State. As it relates to the abortion issue, Harbaugh is bulletproof. Harbaugh, Harbaugh has threaded the needle as it relates to Black Lives Matter. He named Colin Kaepernick an honorary team captain for the spring game. Harbaugh championed George Floyd and attended anti-police protests. Every position Harbaugh takes is filtered through the lens of football, not Catholicism. He's pro-Kaepernick because that's a message that works with recruits. He's pro-George Floyd because that's a message that works with recruits. He's pro-life because that's a message that works with the mothers of recruits. His way of being pro-life also comforts potential recruits. He's telling his players if they knock up a co-ed, Harbaugh and his wife Sarah will raise the baby. He's not telling his players to avoid irresponsible sex, to find a woman worthy of marriage and procreate with her. He's providing his players a safety net for irresponsible behavior. Harbaugh is recruiting. This is the problem with secular culture. Everyone is a slave to their careers. We toss aside our religious beliefs, values, and convictions to serve the best interest of our professions. We have no higher calling than our career and salary. 
Royce White, a regular contributor on my Fearless show, says, we have no sacred honor. We'll do anything for money. We even joke about it. I'm a huge fan of Charles Barkley. I like and respect Charles. I think he's a force for good. However, last week, when talking about the possibility of taking a job with the Saudi-backed Live Golf League as a broadcaster, Charles joked that he would kill a close friend or close relative for the right amount of money. Take a listen for yourself. If somebody gave me $200 million, I'd kill a relative. All right, that's it. I'm not sure we can do anything else after that. I don't know what the next question would be, uh, but we appreciate the hell out of you, Chuck. Hey, I'm serious. Hey, they said uh, Phil Mixon got $200 million and Dustin Johnson got $150 million. Hey, for $150 million, I'll kill a relative, even one I like. Look, the joke is funny because it's laced with kernels of truth. We don't care where the money comes from and what stipulations are attached to the money. We just want the money. Charles Barkley told uh, Greg Norman, I told Greg Norman, listen, they are making up words like blood money and sports washing. I said, we have all taken blood money and we have all sports washed something, so I don't like those words, to be honest with you. If you're in pro sports, you're taking some type of money from a not great cause. American culture is in decline because of the financial influence of foreign countries. China tells Hollywood what movies to make and what message is allowed in those movies. The NBA and its players promote anti-American sentiment because China encourages, encourages it. Now Saudi Arabia is buying up American golfers and broadcasters to compete against the PGA Tour. So that's my long-winded explanation why I'm not overly thrilled with Jim Harbaugh's pro-life stance. If being pro-life would jeopardize Michigan losing a five-star recruit, I suspect Harbaugh would convert his locker room into a Planned Parenthood facility. Mm. All right, that's my fire uh, on Jim Harbaugh. Uh, TJ Moe, uh, the Show Me Kid, is going to join us from St. Louis. And TJ, I'll let you uh, go first, and then I'm going to come to you, Jason, to get your take. But uh, do, do you think Jim Harbaugh is sincerely pro-life, or is he? are you as cynical as I am and just think he's out recruiting? Well, I want to be careful because, to be clear, I will stand with literally anybody and celebrate their position if they want to take the pro-life stance that is worth celebration. And so whatever sort of agenda, or if he truly believes the opposite, if it saves the lives of innocent children, I'm with you. So I want to be careful because there is a criticism coming, but if say, say that he saves 10,000 babies over the next five years, 20 years, doesn't matter. If he also gets 15, five-star recruits at the same time. And that was his real agenda. I don't care. He just saved the lives of 10,000 babies. So I do want to be on the right side of celebrating somebody who, whether it took courage or not, actually takes a stance to preserve the lives of innocent children. That I want to make clear. But I do have a problem with his general approach. And everything was pretty good until the final part, which you pointed out, where he basically said, hey, if you don't at the time feel like you can take care of the baby, hey, me and Sarah will do that. And so 
he undermined his entire message. The message should be as a football coach who's in charge of 127 guys in the locker room every single year that here at Michigan, we build men and we make good decisions and I will teach them to make these good decisions frequently. And if they choose to make a bad decision, they're going to face those consequences. That's going to be what I tell them to do. And that's how you learn how to make good decisions in the future. Why would you ever have to make a good decision if you never face the consequences of your bad decisions? Right. And so that should be the message. The message is I'll do everything I can to help you. But this is your problem. You created it. And I'm telling you right now, don't create the problem. I'll be here to help you walk through it. But I'm just telling you, we're going to build men here at Michigan. And so you're going to take personal responsibility. You're going to have humility. Realize the world does not revolve around you. It revolves around the kid that you just made because that's your responsibility. So that's that's the role of a football coach. Um, whether or not he actually believes the pro-life thing. I did see something back in 2020 where he did come out and uh, before he's now tried to make it a thing after overturning of Roe, he did come out as pro-life on a podcast back then. So he probably is pro-life. Is he making it a bigger deal now to capitalize on what he thinks might be a good idea? Probably. But still, the undermining of the message to me is the big problem. Like you've just said, hey, save the lives of children. Don't worry. I won't make you be a man about it. I'll be the man. Jim Harbaugh. I'm, I'm 50, right? Or what are the old Mike Gundy thing? I'm 40. I'm a man. Don't do that. You're going to build 20-year-old men. That's what you should be promising these mothers. Mm, love that point and totally agree with it. Jason? I would say this. Donald Trump, very pro-life in the way that he governed. But I'm skeptical about his actual opinion on life. I try not to be that cynical, but unfortunately, I've lived long enough to not believe what people say. But I didn't elect Donald Trump. I, I didn't vote for him in 2016, but I did in 2020 because I paid attention to how he governed, not who he was. When they say, how can you as a Christian vote for Donald Trump? I say, because I've already got a savior. He's from Nazareth. He's not from Trump Tower. He's not from New York. I care about how he governs. I care about what he does. To TJ's point, I would say, I'm glad Harbaugh did it, even if he doesn't buy into it. But we do know as a Catholic, life is sacrosanct. It's supposed to be. What you said about Pelosi and Joe Biden, absolutely right. I think it basically disqualifies them from being Catholics. I understand that people have different opinions, but if you don't believe in the, in the sanctity of life, like I've heard Matt Walsh and everybody else in the world that are strong Catholics talk about this issue as if it is absolutely the most important thing in the world. To get that wrong, to me, puts you completely at odds with the Catholic faith. So Jim Harbaugh may well be on the left and still have that Catholic tenet. Or if you want to go down the cynicism path, it might be the exact opposite. It might be exactly what you just said. And I would just say, again, Donald Trump governed from a pro-life standpoint. And that's all that matters. I don't even care if he believes it as long as those were the policies that he enacted that he went to the March to Life, that he did all of those kinds of things. So I agree with TJ in that the problem is you can legislate morality and you can say, hey, this is what you should do, but you can't demand it. Jason, you said a mouthful there and you put a by bringing Donald Trump into the conversation a little bit. And so I, I want to try to clarify your or, or piggyback off what TJ said and, and connect perhaps some dots that you were with with Donald Trump by saying you had no problem with the way Donald Trump governed 
and I think what TJ's point and perhaps mine is, is like, okay, I, I don't care what Harbaugh actually uh, thinks about pro-abortion. He stated the right issue. But the way he's actually governing that issue with his team is basically telling them, hey, if you knock someone up, don't worry about it. Me and Sarah got it. And so he's governing irresponsibly to connect the dots on on your your Donald Trump point. And that's what I don't like. And again, it's like we're saying that being a Catholic locks him into a pro-life stance. Being a Catholic and or being a Christian should also make this man promote a responsible approach to relationships with the opposite sex. So instead of telling guys, hey, you know what, you knock someone up, we got it. He should be saying, you know what? And the same thing I tell my kids, I tell my little boys, my daughters, my people on my staff. Hey, guys, you should be engaging in healthy, responsible relationships. And you should be, first of all, as a Catholic, as a Christian, premarital sex isn't bad, it isn't the right thing to do. He goes, now, I can sit here and be a realist too and say, I used to be a young person, I was a college student right here at the University of Michigan. If you're going to do what most young people do in college, I have one stipulation for you. Put a condom on. They're very effective. They work. They prevent pregnancy. You don't have to be irresponsible and create a child and put that woman, yourself, and that child in a bad position where they're depending on a football coach and his wife to raise a baby. And so so if he were governing properly, I'd have no criticism of of Jim Harbaugh, if if all of his thoughts on this were in alignment and backed up, I just don't see it. I see an opportunist and everything I've seen from Harbaugh at the University of Michigan, from staying in a tree house at some recruit and just all the, hey, look mm-hmm. at me, everything looks like he's just putting out a recruiting message. And I think this is more of the same. TJ, I'm gonna give you the final uh, say and reaction on this, then we're gonna we're gonna move on. I just think it makes him look weak in a position where he had a chance to look really strong. He's saying, I beg of you, just let these babies live. You don't have to take responsibility, just let him live. He looks weak. What he should be saying is, you created this baby and you step in and be a father for this kid, and you take pride in being a good dad. And so this it's it's kind of out of character for him because what he does, everything that he does is on steroids. He's very confident. If you remember the um, the old satellite camps that they did, he took it and he ran and he went and started one in Australia. Right. And he did. He had like thirty nine and twenty two days. Everything he does is with serious confidence and he does it really well and comes out and and is leading the pack. Right. In this case, he's basically just begging people to be pro-life, let the babies live, instead of demanding that young men follow through and be the men. He's got seven kids himself. He should use that and say, I'm not just pro-life, I'm pro-human. I got my own kids, all right? I know how hard it is to raise them, with or without money. I'm telling you guys, stand up and be mad, and you'll be glad you did. Thank you, TJ. Uh, Great job. 
I want to take care of a little business. Then we're going to talk about uh, this movie I want to get into, uh, Nope, from Jordan Peele. But uh, before we do that, America needs change. But the center of that change has to be the family, your family. We can return to that time with our families and create moments for real conversation. But it's only then we can create the change we want to see. It all starts at the dinner table with time together as a family. Good Rancher's mission is to bring people to the table. Making those moments around the table easy, accessible, and delicious is what they do best, and it's what they deliver in every single box. Good Rancher's guarantees you 100% American meat that's born, raised, and harvested here in the United States and delivered to your door. You will know exactly where it comes from and who you're supporting. I've personally tried it, and it is awesome. It's not like one delivery is great and the next isn't, no. Every box has superior quality, flavor, and value. The T-bones, burgers, ribeyes, and even the chicken, it's all some of the best. Good Ranchers is a company that supports American agriculture, plus they support us and what we do. So go check them out. Support those who support us. Make sure you use my promo code FEARLESS to get $30 off your order, plus get free express shipping. You can make gatherings at the table common again with Good Ranchers. Take advantage of this offer before it's gone. Go to GoodRanchers.com slash Fearless to start bringing people to the table, creating change in America, and eating seriously delicious food from Good Ranchers. All right. We're going to review the, the movie Nope. Yes. Hey, guess who's back? Shady's back. No, no, no. The Blaze Patriotic Socks are back. At the end of last year, we released a limited supply of Let's Go Brandon socks so you could wear your patriotism wherever you wanted. They were comfortable, stylish, and best of all, worth a laugh. Well, you spoke and we listened. So back by popular demand, we have new limited edition socks just in time for the primaries and back to school shopping. There are two sock packages and stylish drink covers to keep your beverages cool and patriotic. If you can't decide which sock package to choose from, remember, this is America. You can always get both. And get this, if you buy both socks packages, we'll throw in a free bonus set of socks and an additional set of drink covers with a discount off the full purchase. Hurry though, these are limited edition. Get them now at blazesocks.com before they're gone. For our Blaze TV subscribers, we want to thank you for your continued support so we're sweetening the pot use promo code blaze sub for 20 percent off your purchase that's the code is only available to blaze tv subscribers not a subscriber no problem subscribe to blaze tv now and use the promo code fearless socks to save both on your blaze tv subscription and get 20 percent off limited edition socks go to blazesocks.com to to scope out all the socks, get a pair for a deserving dad, a grad, or the person who needs the new pair of socks and a laugh. All right, welcome back. Uh, Jason Martin, uh, Troy McSwain uh, in studio with me. Uh, guys, I, I wanna lighten up on this Thursday and uh, talk about Jordan Peele's new movie, Nope. Uh, we all went to see it yesterday. Uh, I'm, I'm going to start out. Nope is some sort of Jordan Peele. You know, he did the movie Get Out. He did the movie Us. And this is his third movie. He's celebrated uh, comedians. I guess kind of a sketch comedy guy. He 
Key and Peele. This is Jordan Peele. He's, he's supposed to be some kind of horror film genius or, you know, I'd like to get out. I thought Get Out was an interesting movie. Uh, it's a movie that I watched two or three times. Uh, I do believe that this Nope, N-O-P-E, that's the name of the movie, uh, is one of the worst movies I've ever watched in my life. It was utter garbage, trash. Uh, I spent a lot of time this morning reading people's reviews about this movie, and uh, I saw a lot of defense of this movie. I don't know what these people are talking about. Nope is an inside joke for Hollywood people. It, it's, it's some sort of movie that uh, purports to be making fun of Hollywood or criticizing Hollywood and how uh, Hollywood sells spectacle and that the spectacle eventually uh, destroys everybody that creates the spectacle or tries to profit from the spectacle that is Hollywood. There, there's also some mess. And again, I had to learn all this from reading after the fact watching the movie, this is supposed to be some horror movie. Was there a scary moment in the movie, guys? Was there any, again, I, I'm someone that, like, The Exorcist still scares me. I, I don't, I'm not a huge fan of horror movies, but I've seen some good ones. There was nothing scary about this movie. There was a, there seemed to be a blanket in the sky that was swallowing horses and human beings, but you really couldn't see it. Horrible, horrible, horrible movie. I'm gonna go before Troy, before I let you jump in, Troy and I went to see the movie together after yesterday's show, but Jason Martin is the actual professional here. He's been writing about talking about movies and TV shows for years. Uh, Jason, uh, and, and I've, I've read your brief review that you wrote up for us. I have no idea uh, how you decided this was an a actually a decent movie, but I'll let you explain. All right, so you're clearly not a film goer that I would recommend this to if I knew exactly what your tastes were, right? That I like good movies? Okay, well that's <laughs> there is a seg look, There's a segment of people out there that go and watch films and then want to go home and read volume after volume after volume of Weird fan series and all this other kind of stuff. So nerd culture. People at an abortion rally. Yeah, well, okay. <laughs> I wouldn't go there. Uh, nerd culture, right? Doctor Who's been on for I don't know how many years on BBC and people buy books every year about the season that they just watched. They go and read episode reviews. There's a whole industry of people that write for Vanity Fair and write for all these magazines that break down every meticulous segment, sequence, even the first commercial break after this was about Maybelline. So that means this about the larger context of society and all these other kinds of things. I feel like what's been lost in all this is, was the film entertaining? Was it good? You didn't find it to be very good. I would say the Hollywood thing, I didn't see that. I actually read a few theories afterwards, didn't see that at all. When I read what Jordan Peele wanted out of it, it seems like to me he wanted Close Encounters of the Third Kind, a sci-fi kind of deal. Oh, a and decent always, movie. He wanted a decent movie uh, look, and he, failed to produce one. Well, look, Get Out, you said you saw Get Out multiple times. Yeah. I saw it once and I didn't need to see it again. I liked it. I'm not saying I didn't like it, but it was a one watch. And Jordan Peele's films as a whole are that way. I would never watch Nope again. But to your question about what was scary... The monkey scene was pretty disturbing. I wouldn't yeah. call it scary. It was disturbing. It was How? 
a monkey maiming people on a set. Did you see him maim anybody? You could tell. He's got blood on his hands and all yeah. his face and all this other kind of stuff. It's all He had fake be... blood on his arms and <laughs> like You never saw him do anything. Well, you saw him sort of bludgeon that girl that was on the ground in the face. You didn't get to see her face get completely carved out. But Jordan Peele is a geek. That's what you have to understand going into this. Key and Peel, those two guys are really talented, but they're geeks. That's why they did what they did. It's why it worked. They are going for a certain audience, and it's the audience that does want to pour through all this material. It's the audience that does want to try and figure out hidden meanings and all this. To me, it was just a fun escape. It wasn't anything spectacular. It certainly didn't cure cancer or any kind of infectious disease. It was just there as a summer movie that I do think he is trying to play to it was a critical Fox. audience. Mm-hmm. I get <laughs> okay. I, I, luckily, there was not much relations in the film itself, so we don't have to go into too much detail right. there. But I just found it fine. Like I get, I gave it a B minus. It's a pretty, pretty good. It was fine. You know how proud I was when I got a B minus in school. I mean, do you my parents gave me a standing ovation for a B minus. And you're giving that movie a a movie you'd never go see again. You're giving a B minus. There's a lot of great one offs. There's a great movie. Like once you understand the gimmick thing with Jordan Peele is once you know what's going on and get out, you don't need to see that again. It's the mystery. I don't need to see the sixth sense again. I don't need to go see Unbreakable again or Signs or any of those kind of films. Neutral Suspects is a great movie from 95. Once you know who Kaiser Soze is, whether you figured it out beforehand or after, it kind of loses some of its appeal. So even in a little brief thing that I sent you, I said, I don't want to talk about the story at all, because if you know what's happening, there really is no reason to watch this. It's not Back to the Future. It's not The Dark Knight. It's not Office Space. It's not The Godfather. It's not something that's infinitely rewatchable. It's something that one time, I'm glad I saw it so that I can talk about it. This takes me back to my old days in terms of like, and I'm, I'm gonna give a very second, this is the old sinful me, but like, if it was only good once and you didn't want to go back, I'm not telling anybody. <laughs> You're not giving it a B minus. <laughs> Troy, I, I, you've gone, <laughs> Troy at the movie is laughing at how bad the movie is and then uh, this before today's show, he's telling me, you know what? After thinking about it, I kind of liked the movie. Yes. I enjoyed the movie after we had our discussion. And what it is, Jason, you don't like to work, Jason. You don't, <laughs> you had to th- you don't like I'm to think lazy. about I'm lazy. That's it. why yeah. I didn't like the you're movie. A la- you're a lazy moviegoer because you, after talking to Jason and you, I had a new appreciation for the film. It, it actually opened my eyes up because we discussed it afterwards. And that's what you have to do with Jordan Peele and his movies. You have to, it, you have to talk with some, some other people. And Are you trying to make calls for Jordan Peele? What, what, <laughs> did you, you get a call, an email? How, Troy, I watched you in the movie hysterically laugh and talk about how stu- this is the dumbest. You said no. this is the dumbest movie I've ever seen. You said yes, that in the movie that. theater. And I, and I agree. I'm saying it. I, I'm not disagreeing with you. But what was funny was the movie theater you took us to. Jason took us to a 4D movie theater. 
which means that the seats moved up I and down. I had no idea. They, I didn't know what 4D the, I've meant. actually never done one when of the, those before. Yeah, I the, didn't know what it was. When it was bleeding on the house, they sprayed water in our face. <laughs> so it was just, that was a different experience. And that's what, because I hadn't slept the night before. So I started nodding off. But that every time then when the movie. The, oh, great the movie that he's nodding off in. Oh, go no, ahead. I was go, nodding go off ahead. because go I ahead, was Troy, tired. It was a good movie. But yeah. I'm saying, but after the fact, after our discussion, it gave me a new appreciation. And it wasn't the movie. It's the fact that we had the discussion that gave me the appreciation. But no, the movie was kind of like out there. I was like, but I'm not a science fiction guy. So, you know. I, I, look, let me count the ways that this movie pissed me off. And, and generally, people have, told, have heard me talk about movies before. I'd say 60% of movies I walk out of uh, just because they're so bad or they do something so awful in the first 20, 30 minutes, hour. I'm just like, I'm because at any point, I'm capable of walking out of the movie. It, I can walk out in the last 10 minutes. I don't need to know what happened. If they do something where they irritate me too much, I just leave. But because we were going to talk about this, I watched the entire thing. And But early on in the movie, when this Kiki Palmer, is that her name? Yes. And I'm reading all these, oh, she should win the Oscar. Oh, this was incredible. And I've I, I read these in reviews, and I'm like, what are y'all talking about? This hyper-masculine black woman that they put on screen, that was the first thing, and they put her little LGBT thing front and center from the get-go, and, and it was a young black woman playing the role of a young black man. She was foul, her language was horrendous and masculine and profane. Uh, there was nothing likable about any of them. They did no character development. They gave me no reason to care about anything. This set of bed sheets in the sky <laughs> was, I guess, what we were supposed to care about. I just, I've never seen a horror movie where it's a set of bed sheets in the sky that I'm supposed to be afraid of. Where was the horror? Where was it? Is it truly a horror movie, though, Jason? Or was it a sci-fi movie? It was a sci-fi thriller. It was a horror sci-fi is what they said. I would not call it horror. Okay, well, let's call it sci-fi. And again, I'm old. I remember Star Trek. They had little... uh, Cell phones back before we ever thought there would be cell phones. They'd beam you down from the Star Trek Enterprise to this new planet. This is a set of bed sheets in the sky. Where's the sci-fi? I mean, it was a kite in the sky. I agree. I mean, it definitely looked like a balloon. It looked like a balloon. And then at the end, and I read, I did read this. It was inspired by Japanese animation. Neon Genesis Evangelion, which is one of the more famous anime. I'm not an anime guy at all whatsoever. But again, what, what does this go back to? He's a geek. Period. That's where all of this comes from. That's why it's weird. And there's this new brand of horror that's like high horror. I can't remember the exact terminology for what, what it's used. I'm not a fan of this stuff. This stuff's supposed to be like more in your head you have to kind of think through all of it as opposed to Jason's on the screen. Not you, but, or me. Uh, Freddie or Michael Myers or something like that. Before the film, actually, there was a Red Band trailer for Halloween Ends. 
And that I understood. There's not going to be books written about that book, uh, about that movie. I guarantee you. We know exactly what's happening there. The whole part of this, I think, that the audience wants is the discussion afterwards. That's what they want. They so want to sit around and do this. You want to discuss. You have everything to we've just it. been talking about about how bad the movie is. They want us discussing how bad the movie was. Other than you know you and Troy. <laughs> no, they want you to discuss it to come up with theories. To come up with all the different. So it's the Hypothet- Sopranos ending. Yeah. yeah we turn yeah. cinema and TV into the Sopranos ending. No, that's just Jordan's way of doing it. No, that's no, just no, his no, way. no, 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 no. I, I think that's what we've turned TV into, is that that actually David Chase, wasn't that, that's who did it? Yes. Yeah. He, he actually disrupted cinema and the small screen and the whole nine with his ending of The Sopranos, the final episode of The Sopranos, the screen just goes black and everybody just talks about, what did he really mean, blah, blah, blah. And, and, and that's what I don't like because when I watch The Godfather and I watch it once or twice a year for the probably the last 20 years, I don't have to, I don't have to sit around and have a discussion about what did they really mean when he said he sleeps with the fishes? What did, oh, does that mean he's dead or does that mean he really sleeping with the fish? I don't have to do that. I know it's a great movie. And then I can go discuss how great the movie was and how, uh, what a great acting job Marlon Brando did and, and just what it says about family and what would you be willing to do for your family and blah, blah, blah. I, now, because of David Chase and The Sopranos and that ending, I guess, and this is, Jason, I want you to really respond to this. This movie has nothing to do with the audience. It has to do with the journalists and the reviewers that write about Hollywood. That's who he's thinking about. And he he does, it drove me crazy about the last two or three seasons of Breaking Bad. And again, I know I'm mixing TV with the big screen and all that, but Breaking Bad wasn't nearly as good the last two or three seasons, but because Vince Gilligan was tight with all the people reviewing it, he would tell, oh, what I really meant, and this was the meaning of this, and this, and everybody go, they'd all have their content, and oh, I can tell this little part, this is what he meant, and so people will come and read my column, and that'll make me popular, and I can beat my, I can build my social media feed. And it, 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 it's, instead of just doing good storytelling in Breaking Bad, instead of just doing good storytelling in this movie, we're creating content for the reviewers, and this whole little chat society, we're being walked into the matrix. I think that's interesting. I also think that Breaking Bad got really good in season four. That's when, to me, it actually hit. Like, I enjoyed one through three, but four to the end is when it really got me, when I really, really fell in love with that show, and now Better Call Saul, now, which to me might be a better show. You, and, and you're <laughs> Breaking Bad, better... No, oh, I said Better Call Saul, I believe, is the better overall show. That may be they true. learn lessons. Let me, let me ask you this, Jason. Oh, my God. I can't believe you just said this. You're not, you don't believe the last two or three seasons of Game of Thrones was better than the- No, absolutely not. Okay, no, so I think they, I told, I, I think they totally got that though. wrong. To your point about yeah. David Chase <laughs> and the ending of The Sopranos, it's really hard to finish a show, first of all. But I do think it became about creating this ending that you could take in a bunch of different directions where you could have a bunch of people talking about you all the time. 
I mean, this you want to talk about mixing metaphors. It's a stunt. I it's mean, a- well, look, Tyreek Hill saying Tua Tagovailoa is better than Patrick Mahomes. Why is he doing that? So that people are then going to go on shows like Mine in the Morning or yours, anywhere else. It's a gimmick. It's inauthentic. Look, I'm not necessarily saying it's authentic. I am saying that Vince Gilligan, I didn't think it was a bunch of underlying stuff. If you want to go there, go to Mad Men. Because Mad Men was all about the, I wrote about the finale of Mad Men and missed it entirely. Because it was supposed to be this larger like treatise on this and all this stuff. I totally missed it. I found a totally different, and I was just like, that's the dumbest take I've ever had because I thought it was this. Guess where Matthew Weiner cut his teeth, the creator of Mad Men, on The Sopranos, writing in the last few seasons, which I did not think were anywhere near as good as the earlier seasons of The Sopranos. Breaking Bad, to me, was very surface. It wasn't that you had to think all of that much through. It was just crafted beautifully to me, and it wasn't was this so super many- arty thing. Illogical th- and a guy, we're off on a tangent. We're supposed to be talking about note, but Look, I, I man, don't we talk care. about pop culture. This is what happens. Yeah. <laughs> but there were so many illogical, unbelievable things that happened in the final seasons of Breaking Bad. It turned into MacGyver, and again, it was always a tiny bit of that, even from season one. But when 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 Brian Cranston's character Walter White is handcuffed to a generator somewhere and he's about to die and somehow he comes up, he unhooks the hand. I was like, this is MacGyver. This is no longer a serious exploration of a relationship between Walter White and Jesse Pinkman. Or This isn't about what depths a man will go to when he thinks he's dying to take care of his family. This is, and so I, I, we're, we're, we're tight on time today for today's show because I, I could go on and, and we're going to have you back Jason uh, we're going to check your sanity and, and and bring you back get you on the right meds and bring you back uh, but but did you ever see the final episode of The Shield yes it's the perfect finale the Thank two you. best finales maybe of all time are The Shield and Six Feet Under and The Shield Vic, 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 Vic looking out the window and going back to his desk yeah is one of the most flawless endings that television show has ever had. But the whole, the whole final had. episode. It was, it's tremendous. The whole final season, really, but the final episode, that's what great storytellers and great TV does. These little train wrecks to generate discussion, this is a gimmick. And it goes back to whole Jordan Peele's whole, what they're saying, it was this message here. It's like, we just create spectacle. And, and th- this movie was just a bunch of spectacle put out there to create conversation. Everybody gets to get, create content off of it, draw followers in, and, and, and look, I'm the expert. I figured out this movie. Come follow me. They're not making great movies anymore. They're not making great TV shows anymore. They're just creating little train wrecks for us to talk about and discuss. Well, here's what's funny. It worked. Yeah, we're sitting there talking about it. I don't think it worked. Look, I said, hey, I want to talk about the movie. Nope, so let's go watch it so we can talk about it. So we were going to talk, whether it was great or bad, we were going to talk about it. Unfortunately, it was horrible. I give the movie an F. Uh, You give it a B minus. Troy, I'll give you the final say. I think you just, you're giving it an F because you don't want to spend time. I didn't ask you that. I (laughs) I asked you what grade you give it. Why you got to attack? Go ahead, attack me. No, I'm just saying, well, I got to start with that first. That you're giving it F because you're you want to be entertained. You don't want to think about it. You don't want to talk about it. I do want to be entertained. 
It's not my job to decipher a movie. It's not. That's then, not. That's then, not what. When I go should, watch The Godfather, when I go watch, do you like Scarface? I love it. Yeah. Did you have to, Scarface is great. Uh, <laughs> all this, they're trying to rewrite history. Scarface is great. I just watched it in the last two to three weeks. Look, did, did did it need to be deciphered? Did you have to go read a book after watching Scarface, or did you just know that was a damn no, good movie? No, but I appreciate the intellectual conversation that the three of us had afterward. I started off. Yes, I laughed through the movie. But after we talked about it, I had a so better, you know a better what? Appreciation. Give me twenty dollars then, since I entertained you in the conversation. Hey, entertained. I tried you. to buy the now, popcorn. Give me twenty dollars because I was the entertainment for the movie. That was one thing I, I saw somewhere where people were uh, talk worth the price of admission or, or something. Like that. I was like, it costs twenty dollars a person to go see a matinee now. That's what blew me away. Anyway, play tomorrow. <laughs> I've I've gone on too long. Play tomorrow and we'll see you. Uh, We won't see you tomorrow. We'll see you on Monday. No show tomorrow. I just want, I want to be, I just want, I want to be.